Virginia Woolf call Max Burbaum the Prince of AS of SAS. F.W. Dupuy praised his whim of iron and cleverness amounting to genius, while Burbaum himself noted that only the insane take themselves quite seriously. Hello, I'm Petra Vernon, and this is Mostly Essays. Thanks for joining me again. Uh, we're looking today at a collection of selected essays of Max Burbaum, edited with an introduction by Philip Lopate. And this uh, collection is called The Prince of Minor Writers. Uh, Burbaum, like we said earlier, was called The Prince of SAS by Virginia Woolf. Uh, from his precocious debut as a, day, a dandy in 1890s Oxford until he put his pen aside in the aftermath of World War II, Bourbon was recognized as an incomparable observer of modern life and an essayist whose voice was always and only his own. Here we have some of his finest essayists of our day and that's been selected here. Whether he's writing about the Vogue for Russian writers, laughed in philosophy, dandies, or George Bernard Shaw, Burbam Hare is as unpredictable as he is unfailingly witty and wise. We have a review here by an Adam Gopnik who says, For me, Burbam has an almost dangerously perfect tone, a mixture of benign sincerity serenity and quiet intellectual authority that I think is the tone every essayist searches for. Flavor Wires, Jason Diamond says, Burbam's prose style, clever, fast-paced, and sometimes on the verge of anarchy, balances humor with style and provides a masterclass in using irony. The greatest weapon in Burbam's arsenal is to look at high culture. Today we'll have a look at his essay uh, entitled At Convent, Covent, At Covent Garden, looking at music in a way. I'm quite indifferent to serious music and I should not suffer from any sense of loss if all the scores of all the operas that have ever been written and all the, and all the persons who might be able to reconstruct them from memory were to perish in it suddenly like tomorrow or something. And yet I like going to Covent Garden in June and July. It's not the least pleasant mode of whiling away the half hour before it between dinner and supper. And with its cool vestibules and colonnades and foyers, Covent Garden, despite it, its humble site and comparatively mean proportions, is an ideal place for a cigarette merely to wander behind the grand tier and to read the illustrious names printed on the doors of the boxes printed in mere black and white just as my name will be printed on the label of this wretched book is an experience to thrill hearts that are far less snobbishly impressionably than my heart is I seem to breathe at every step I take in that circuit, the tart ozone of distinction, the sultriness of no night in summer can rob me of the exhilaration which fills my being in the most high and rarefied and buoyant atmosphere. I seem to tread the circuit with a very light feet, and soon I am of a mood for the auditorium. As I pass down one of the narrow stairways leading to the sea of slick heads and jeweled or feathered coofers, the stalls, a stout gentleman unconsciously obstructs my path. As he makes way for me, I recognize in him from an old drawing in Punch, an hereditary legislator who was once in one of Mr. Gladstone's cabinets. 
and passant, I tread upon his foot that I may have the honor of apologizing to him. He bows courteously, and I'm happy, and on the vast and cavernous stage behind low-burning footlights some opera or other is proceeding, and the fiddlers are fiddling in a quiet monotone, not loud enough to drown the chatter of the stalls and boxes, though. All around me, the people are chattering to one another like so many smart apes. Snatches of discussion here and a, of a flirtation there are wifted past me, gaily, ceasingly. I see the flashes of eager gestures in white kid. I see white shoulders, white gardenias, rogue under lurid cilians, and the quivering of argots. The light on high collars, highly polished, and the sheen of innumerable diamonds, and the rhythmic sway of a thousand and one fans. Row upon row, the little dull red boxes, receptacles of bravery and beauty, are sparkling also with ceaseless animation. To me, they are like an exquisite panorama of Punch and Judy shows. Every lady, I think, should bring her lap, lap dog and set it on the ledge of her box to consummate the illusion. And just above me, to my right, stretches an omnibus box, Olympian. It is empty, save for one of whom nothing can be seen but a large lorgnon upheld by a pair of small, fat, tight-gloved hands. Who is it? A great man, doubtless, great, else he were not in a virtusio too, else he were less wrapped. Perhaps an ambassador, for his cuffs were cut in a foreign mode. Yes, 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 I'm sure those were the cuffs of an old diplomat, and that their wearer has sat just so, hidden behind the curtain in all the opera houses of Europe, the Ring Theatre, the Theatre de la Monnaie, the Half Opera and House, La Scala, and the rest. So will he yet be sitting next year? here or in some other city. And the music, the incidental music, is being played all this while. I don't think it's Wagner's. Wagner's is usually rather obtrusive and apt to forget his place. He forgets the deference due to the stalls and the boxes, forcing their occupants to shout at the top of their voices if they would be heard, and has a vulgar trick of playing to the amphitheater and its dowdy fret of listeners. But he has done undeniably good work in humbling the singers. Thanks to him, the audience no longer spends its evenings in prostration before a prima donna. Bouquets do not hurdle through the air, and the poor singers with their diamonds and their diets and their rivalries and their roulets are not the senesure they weren't in the 70s. They were in the 70s. Yet they, there they are still, those tiny, inadequate puppets on their mammoth stage, mere dots like the human figures of one of Turner's widest canvases. Here he still is, this fat little man in trunk hose, with yellow hair down his back, strutting, storming, spurning, suplent, passionate, aspiring, and desperate, all for the sake of a little lady in white, with her hands clasped across her breast, and her face upturned to the property stars. These little marionettes with big voices making so gigantic a pother about something or the other have keen pathos in my sight. Types of our poor estate of our vanity or pompous 
in devouring our insignificance on the state world stage see the wee tanner is going to kill himself with a dagger no no the wee soprano prevents him oh dear oh it's tiny intelligent full of purpose performing with all their might tasks but which i see no reason they seem to me these two like a pair of ants in the pathway hark they're in the midst of a stormy duet I vow the little creatures fascinate me. Here comes a whole army of ants in attitudes of surprise. The wee tanner beats his breast and the wee soprano dashes down a cup of wine. I would not throw dust at them for all the world, but someone less kind than I rolls down a great curtain and the ants are hidden. And the audience stops talking for a few moments of rather languid applause. And men in the stall stand up and stare around and saddle their way through the crush in Bob's alley and seek the tires, the tears. The ambassador in the omnibox has dropped his largan and is quite invisible now. And I reflect that after all, the ants were rather absurd and that really the house is rather hot and that on the whole, I will not stay for the last act.